Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Dara Trendler. Welcome to episode 62 of the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. This is Darla, and I am really grateful to be here today to share about a topic that has been on my heart and on my mind for many, many months because of people who have reached out to me to ask about this topic and to um, get advice on it from other people. And so I decided to do a listener call-in show and have people listeners call in and share their thoughts on this topic. And so the topic that I posted on Instagram and asked people to call in about was how do you keep the spirit with you when people in your home or in your family have a different belief system, when they no longer or don't believe how you believe? How do you do that? And so that was my initial question. And I I got six people that called in and shared wonderful things. And um, a big part of this is you know, talking about how you can keep the spirit, but really what it kind of morphed into, it became something totally different than I thought it would. But I'm not sad about that. I think it's a really good thing. It really became, how do we just show love in a Christ-like way if people don't believe the same way that we do, especially the people that we love the very most? And that is the overarching theme of all of these calls that I got. And so I am really grateful for these people that called in and were willing to share a little bit of their heart all of the women that called in, and I couldn't have planned this, but they all have a different perspective, and I love hearing different perspectives. It may not be the exact situation that you're in, but we can all learn from each other. So you're going to hear from mothers who have had children leave the church and, and what, what they have learned from that. You'll hear from someone whose husband has struggled and how they've approached that in their life and how they've um, kept their own spirituality but still maintain their relationship with their husband and also those who have had siblings who no longer believe in how they've approached that relationship and what they've learned. Um, it's not that we all have to have this perfect scenario because we learn we learn and we grow and all of these people have experienced that. The final caller that you're going to hear um, is going to be a little bit longer and it's going to sound a little bit choppy because she called in 10 different times because when you call on Google Voice, which is where I had everyone record, it cuts you off after three minutes. And she had a lot to share. And I am so, so grateful that that she persevered through that. I'm keeping her anonymous, but she is someone whose husband um, left the church a few years ago, and she has since left the church as well. And I feel like what she has to say has a lot of value because it's a perspective of someone on the other side and how she's been treated by other people. And I think as members of the church, we can learn so much from her and from everyone who is sharing on this episode about really the overall message. And you're going to hear it in every single one of these calls is to have Christ-like love, to be unconditional and to remember that the relationship is the most important thing. As a member of the church, I think that that is what we hear all the time from the leaders of our church to love. And I think sometimes culturally and in the middle of living our lives, that gets a little messy and it gets, it gets hard and that message gets a little lost. And so I hope that this episode will be a way to open up that discussion and to 
give us a chance to reflect and think about how we treat people in our life. And are we treating them with Christ-like love? Are we putting the relationship above anything else and preserving that relationship? I know that preparing this episode has helped me to do that. And I hope that it will help you do that as well. I'm not going to give any commentary in between these these um, different callers. You'll be able to tell when one ends and one starts by the their voice changes. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and jump into those. And then I'll come back at the end and just share a few final thoughts. So I hope you enjoy this. Hey, Darla. It's Shelly. I love that you are talking about this really sensitive and important topic. Um, we are definitely struggling with this in our family, but have learned that it's not about, especially for our older children, um, it's not about feeling like we need to continue to preach to them or teach them the gospel. They know how we feel. Um, We continue to share the gospel in our home with our younger children and um, live the way that we have, that we feel we need to be living as a family, but um, are constantly extending opportunities for um, those who have chosen to believe differently in our home um, to join us, and then taking every opportunity to live that beautiful gospel that we believe in um, by serving, by loving, by um, preserving relationships. And I think that's probably the most important thing that needs to be done when you are navigating um, family relationships and different beliefs is that the relationship is so much more important than um, than anything else. And I've loved the Come Follow Me program this year and um, don't miss this and the, the different studies that I've been able to participate in because they've pointed out over and over again that the Savior taught us that principle again and again that, that so very few of his interactions with those who didn't who weren't already believers or that were struggling to believe were about just meeting them where they were and loving them and serving them. Um, And that that's the pattern that we have been shown is the best way to create unity and love and share the gospel um, in our families and in our communities with those who don't believe the same way we do. I'm excited to hear what other people have to offer. Hey, Darla. Thanks so much for broaching this topic. I know it's a really hard one, but you're right. It does feel very, very lonely at times. My story is that my husband went inactive immediately after our temple sealing, which was a shock because we had both been born and raised in the church, and I that wasn't something I had planned on. He's had really brief phases where he has attended church in our 15 years of marriage, but they never last very long, and he just did it because I was constantly nagging him about it. And really all that ever got us was a strained relationship. And eventually it took me away from the church. But I started to realize a couple years ago that I missed my connection to God and came back. So I no longer nag my husband because through my own faith struggles, I realized he has to want it for himself. I can't convert him. It's been really hard teaching our kids when they see their dad living differently than what I'm trying to teach. And I've had to completely turn it over to the Lord and know that he will magnify my offerings. I have to say no to some meetings and firesides and activities to make sure we spend time together as a family. And I have home decor that is more focused on the Savior, but not specific to the church. And I make sure to talk up his good qualities rather than share my frustrations about what he's not doing. But most importantly, I pray. Lots and lots of praying. 
with all my children together, with each child individually, and so much time praying on my own. In the end, it's in God's hands. My job is just to love. It's certainly not an easy road to walk. I feel like I'm on eggshells all the time. But when I approach everything from a place of love, peace fills my soul. My older brother has not been active in the church since he returned home from his mission about 20 years ago. So I don't live in the same home as him now, but I see him often. And our family has spent many years praying and fasting for his heart to be softened, um, praying that he would come back to the church. For a long time, that was my only hope. And it really became the elephant in the room. It became something that separated us and created a wedge between me and my brother. I felt like I deserved answers and an explanation from him. And it really upset me that he left the church. Thankfully, he never stopped coming to family gatherings. And after some time and some maturing on my part, I began to realize that I needed to humble myself and shift my prayers from trying to change him to trying to love him. And not trying to love him so that he would come back to the church, but sincerely praying to love him for who he is now and what his beliefs are. It's something I'm definitely still working on, but over the years it has helped me to have a better relationship with my brother um, to develop an unconditional love for him that's not contingent on him coming back to the church. Now I find myself praying for his success and for his happiness, and I enjoy his talents and encourage him to keep pursuing his dreams. He's an amazing person and incredibly talented. Instead of being disappointed and worried when I see him or spend time with him, I enjoy my time with him and love him for who he is. When I think of the Savior and how he views us, he is our brother, and he doesn't wait in a constant state of disappointment. He doesn't dwell on our imperfections, but he encourages us and he loves us unconditionally. He is our advocate and our supporter. And as a sibling to my brother who's not active in the church, it is not my place to judge or hold hold him accountable for his life choices. It is my job to just be his friend and his supporter and to love him unconditionally just as Jesus Christ does for me and you. Hi, this is Melissa Buckley, and I wanted to share an experience I had with my brother. He has been inactive for about 10 years, and he's had several experiences throughout that time where he said that he wanted to come back to church, and it just never happened. He got frustrated afterwards, or he wasn't ready, or he didn't have the courage to do it, and um, it's been hard for our family. Um, I've had family members talk about how it can be difficult to feel the spirit when they're around him because of the choices that he's making. And I've pondered on that a lot. And I've realized that while we can't control other people's actions and their choices, if they're different from what we would do, we can control our feelings towards them. And when we are around someone who makes different choices, we can stop feeling the spirit, not because of their choices, but because of our attitude towards that person. And when we are judgmental or hurtful or um, even self-righteous towards someone else, that can cause us to lose the spirit in our hearts and in our homes. Uh, When my little boy was 
a newborn, he had a really hard time nursing. And I remember feeling so heartbroken for him and I wanted to comfort him and I could tell that he was getting frustrated. Even at that young age, he would, he would clench his fist and he would get upset that he was having such a hard time getting the food that he needed. And I just remember wanting to wrap him up and be able to comfort him in, in a better way than I could at that time. And I just made, that made me think of our father in heaven, that when we're struggling, he's not angry. He wants to comfort us. And I think if we can take on that attitude towards those around us that are making different choices, that we can be more like our Heavenly Father and show compassion to the people in our lives. And I also feel like if we can create an atmosphere of love and compassion and inclusivity, that we can still have good relationships with those people in our lives. If we can allow them to feel comfortable sharing what they're doing. And also not be afraid to share what we're doing, especially if it's to do with church or callings or or sharing our testimony even. Um, when we live our lives with compassion, we can um, feel the spirit and, you know, be prompted to share at the right time and potentially make a difference. But I think it's if we seek to do that um, when following the spirit rather than trying to explain away or you know, educate someone to make them change. When we can follow the spirit and share our experiences with our our loved ones and um, start from a, a place of compassion, we can um, make a difference. Even if that doesn't mean um, coming back to church or joining the church, even if it just means having a better relationship and being more honest and open with each other, um, that's what that's what God wants. We want to share and to love with those that are close to us. Um, and that looks different for everyone. doesn't always mean coming back to church. Um, one of my favorite quotes, quotes from Gretchen Rubin is, we cannot change others, but when I change, others may change. And I just love that. Um, we can only control ourselves, and we can either be acted upon or we can act. And um, our influence may change those around us, and it may not. But we can have the spirit in our in our hearts and um, show our love and our faith by loving those around us. Hi, Darla. My name is Carla Hoftalen, and I felt very pulled to call um, and share some thoughts with you about this subject that I feel like I have a lot of experience with, so I will try to be brief and just share a couple of things with you that you're welcome to share, paraphrase, um, in any way that you would like. So I grew up in a home with non-believers. I was the only member of my home that had joined the church. And um, so when I thought that when I was going to get married and have kids, I believed that there was a certain way that my life was going to be. An expectation. I had an expectation in my head of how my family was going to be and how we were going to be as believers. And so when I, my kids were little, I really feel like I had this expectation. You have to look like this and do this and behave like this and say these things. And I think I put a lot of pressure on them to be that way. And I, I missed the boat. And so now... I have one active child out of four. Um, my now husband is a member, but doesn't always like to participate. And my mom, who is a non-member, um, 
is, is older and lives in my home. And I feel like um, I can feel the spirit any way that I want to because what I have learned from my past experiences is that my relationship with the Savior and my ability to feel the spirit is only about me. And um, the things that I do and the relationship that I want to have with my Heavenly Father and that having that relationship with God is personal and up to me. And would I want maybe a message or a lesson learned that I would share with your listeners is if I had it to do all over again, I am not responsible for teaching them how to do things perfectly um, in the church. But I wish I would have taken those babies and just helped them know that God loves them and that I would have put everything else to the wayside. And so now, as a mom of adult children, that is my focus. And my spirit has spoken to me many times that my only responsibility is to love them, that that is first and foremost, and that putting them first is actually putting my Father in Heaven first and loving them and not worrying about their relationship with him because that's their relationship and not worrying about my spouse's relationship um, with Heavenly Father it, because that's not my relationship. And that if that I'm supposed to love and everything else is cake. I want to kind of give this from my perspective. I'm kind of thinking back and <laughs> going back to my mindset of when I was a believing spouse um, and my husband was essentially telling me he was not going to, you know, be involved with Mormonism at all anymore, um, at least going down that path. Um, like I said, it broke me, just kind of tore my world apart, like was last thing I ever expected to happen in my life. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I guess I could start off by also saying, like, a few things, that, like, I guess how I did react. <laughs> so, like, how I reacted to my husband was a perfect example of how you should not react <laughs> if someone um, – trust you enough and is being vulnerable and trusting enough to tell you this, um, please don't react the way I did. Obviously, everything worked out, but I would highly suggest not doing what I did. Um, I kind of freaked out. Um, I was just upset, frustrated. I totally, and this could be my personality too, but I just closed off to him. And it's also his personality. So once he saw I shut down, closed off, emotionally everything so did he um and i feel like it stopped our progress as a couple in our spiritual journey um as well as i mean just us as a couple like as individuals um not just spiritually but just in life i felt like and um, that went on i felt like for a little while um and you know i know just that question just keeps coming to my mind you know how do you keep the spirit with you when you have a spouse who is not or or you know any member um that you love who is not on the same page as you spiritually you've embarked on this journey together and now all of a sudden that's not the case anymore um i think a lot of it was honestly me like i was pushing that spirit away i was doing a lot he wasn't he was trying to make that connection which i feel like is what the spirit is there to do is there to help you have these human connections with God, with your spouse, with your family and friends. It's very connective. And me as a person, I was rejecting that um, for fear of my own, <laughs> I guess, um, safety, I guess. I don't know. Um, fear of the unknown, I guess. 
And I feel like we're always taught in Mormonism um, that feeling of the unknown, of being scared, confused, um, uncertainty is spirit of the devil. It's not um, spirit, like, good. It's not of God. It's not of the spirit. Um, and I feel like that's kind of what I may have been feeling and what maybe some of your viewers are listening to um, this. Maybe that's what they're – when my husband um, – oh, yeah, so the spirit of contention um, was there, I guess. Like, you could – I consider the spirit to be absent, and I just thought, you know, I'm going to be um, this, the brave wife. I'm going to do, like, this, you know, like, single um, or only one active member family. Like, my whole world changing. That's okay. I'll be – you know, take my kids every Sunday. I'll I'll keep doing what I need to do, essentially, and I will kind of shove him, push him out of the picture. He'll just kind of be here. He'll be great, but I won't involve him anything at all spiritually. Spiritually, I am alone. That was my mentality, which, oh, gosh, please, I hope, I pray no one will <laughs> feel that way because you should. It shouldn't be. In reality, he was reaching out, and that's what I want people to understand, too, is um, our loved ones who are reaching out to us, who are, um, I guess, trying to find that safety, find that connection with someone um, that they trust and love um, to share this with is part of their their struggle, their whatever they're going through, their spiritual transition. Um, you know, that's what they need. They need someone there, not just spiritual. And I don't mean just spiritual, like Mormonism, but I mean just spiritually like in God or just that loving tenderness that Jesus shows others. That's what they need. That's what my husband needed. And I was, I did not do that. Um, and so that's what I would highly suggest people not to. <laughs> Instead, I kind of, I've been kind of th- thinking about it. And I kind of came up with three things. Um, but I felt like are probably some of the top three things that you can do and anything else can kind of stem from those. Um, the first one is to love unconditionally. The second one is to have empathy. Um, the third, I would say, is to trust them, and not just tr- trust them, but trust in God um, of the journey that they're going through. Um, when I think of trust, I also think of the word faith. Have faith in them. Have faith in God. Um, it's some of the most trying things you can do um, to have a loved one leave, like, your own belief system, whether that's Mormonism, Catholicism, whatever. Um faith transition they're in or, um, you know, have that faith in God, whatever you believe in, (laughs) the, you know, universe, whatever, um, and have that trust and faith in them as a person Um, because you knew them before they were going through this. You know who they are in their heart. You know their intentions are usually pretty um, true and pretty honest, Um, and that's just from my own experience. Those top, those are, I feel like the top three things that I feel like if you express those and you do those things um, with your family member, your loved one, whoever it is, um, you will always, always have the spirit with you. Um, I don't believe the spirit will ever leave you if you are around someone um, who doesn't believe the same as you. I feel the spirit when I go to my friends, little kids, baby blessing, like that's not something I believe in, (laughs) but it's human connection, it's that spirituality, it's that connection with someone higher than you. Um, and I don't feel like that can ever be lost uh, if you don't allow it to be. I allowed it to be gone in my life because I rejected that, because I 
thought that, you know, <laughs> I was trying to protect myself, I guess. And protecting myself, oddly enough, I pushed away that spirit. Um, it wasn't by anyone else's fault but my own. Um, I feel like if you, if people try to express these three things, um, it'll really, you'll keep the spirit with you too, and others will feel that. Um, your loved one will feel that. Um, so first, love unconditionally. What's conditional love? I will love you because you do X, Y, and Z, because you are a good Mormon, because you went on a mission. Um, conditional love. Unconditional love. I feel like when I first started to get that connection, that spirituality back with my husband, when I first, when I, is when I started saying, I love you as a person, as, you know, my husband, um, no matter what your choice is, no matter what religion you are, no matter what your belief system is, I love you as a person. That's probably one of the best things you could say to someone in this situation. Um, have empathy. Um, truly listen and try to understand that for the most part, um, this is not an easy decision or light decision for this person. Um, a lot of times people think that because they're lazy, they didn't study enough, they want to sin, all those things. That is usually what I have found not the case. I've never studied um, more in my life, more, uh, like, especially my husband. Like, I've never seen him more spiritual in his life, <laughs> oddly enough. But and so it is not a light decision, you know. A lot of people in their heart of hearts do not want to leave. But for one case or another, you know, it, it just does not work for them. And I feel like it's hard, but have that empathy and try to understand and walk in their shoes that this is what they're going through um, and try not to fix things for them. <laughs> that gets a little frustrating. So <laughs> just have that empathy and um, just try to, I guess, walk in their shoes and really think how would you feel if you decided to leave Mormonism and how hard that would be. Um, so as I was thinking about these three things I had mentioned, um, uh, a certain scripture kept just coming to my soul. Um, and if that's all right, I'll just share it. And you can share whatever you want. It's all right. If you don't want to share this, that's fine too. Um, but I just kept thinking of um, when Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. Um, so I went back and read that scripture and had pondered and prayed about it overnight. Um, and I felt like, I don't know, to me it spoke something. So hopefully it'll speak truth and uh, to someone else too. Um, but in the scripture, it's um, John 11, uh, 3, and I'm kind of going to skip around. Um, but chapter 3, or verse 3, sorry, says, Therefore his sister said unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Who was it he loved? You know, he loved Lazarus. He loved Mary and Martha. He has, Jesus was like the ultimate example of unconditional love. Um, so this was someone he loved unconditionally, because that's the only kind of love that Jesus gives. Um, and then farther down it says, um, after they had told Jesus that Lazarus was sick, um, Jesus kind of hung around for a little while for a couple days. Um, then he decided to go um, to see Lazarus and He's talking to his apostles, you know, and he says, Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. He already knew Lazarus was dead. He was telling his disciples this, um, chapter 14, or verse 14, sorry. Um, and then we go down, he travels, he goes, um, sees Martha and Mary, um, and he says, let's see, who was it? Mary came, and she, and he could see that how sad she was, and the other Jews that were with her that were mourning. Um, and crying and says, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping 
and a Jew's also weeping, which came with her. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. He was showing that empathy for them, and he loves he loves Lazarus too. Um, so of course he was troubled. I feel like maybe that's kind of where we felt troubled. Like I felt troubled when my husband told me this, and you know I, you know, didn't exactly have that empathy, but I felt troubled, and I feel like that maybe spirit of confusion, troubleness should have led to empathy, but for me, it didn't. But for Jesus, it does. And he shows that empathy. What does it say later? He's in verse 35. It says, Jesus wept. He wept with them. He already knew he was dead, but he was weeping and weeping and loving and having empathy with these women. Um, and says, and then in um, verse 36 says, then did the Jews behold how he loved him. He loved him so much and was, having that empathy and love. Um, and then later, he also asked, um, I believe it was Mary, um, verse 26, Jesus also says, And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Um, of course, he wasn't, or he was talking um, to Martha and Mary, but I like to think, was he also talking to us? Was he talking to me? Believest thou this? Do you believe in me? Do you trust me? Do you trust in God? Um, you know, I feel like in just this whole story there, he emanates so much of those those three things that I said, trust in God, in him, empathy, love, unconditionally. Um, and I feel like if those are three things that Jesus can do, and, I mean, he's the ultimate example, the ultimate savior for all of us. Um, I mean, if we practice those things, we will have the spirit with us, I guarantee you. Um, and just the big picture um, in mind. Um, first of all, I would say no shaming the person. That stuff kind of puts up a wall um, for people like that or saying, you know, why are you, um, I don't know, going shopping on a Sunday? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I personally don't like doing that anyway, but I mean, some people do. My husband does still, you know. Um, but I feel like not shaming and just accepting them um, goes a long way and not bringing those points to their attention. Go ahead, think it in your mind, whatever. <laughs> but um, I feel like no shaming um, would help a lot too. Um, and I feel like one great thing would be to be still be their friend. Go out and go to Starbucks with them and you can get hot chocolate <laughs> or frappuccino, uh, strawberry frappuccino. Those have no coffee in them. You know, um, you can still keep your standards and be respectful of them as well. Um, and, you know, let them get their coffee without judgment um, or whatever they want. <laughs> um, I feel like stuff like that says a lot um, about a person and relationship and really trying to care. Um, that's basically what Jesus did. He was with the sinners. So um, I had a friend um, when we moved to Pennsylvania um, who was so amazing. And she was, um, she was LDS as well, but she was more than welcoming um, to me and my whole new reality, I guess, <laughs> um, when I decided to um, kind of step back from the church. Um, you know, she would, we'd go and hang out together, and she wouldn't be judgmental if I had a coffee in hand or, you know, I had expressed, like, you know, I had gotten a new tattoo, and that meant was very meaningful to me, um, and she had expressed her joy with me <laughs> for this experience in my life, and, you know, and I feel like doing things like that really build that bond and trust with someone and you can build a spirit with that with that human connection um just even if someone doesn't believe the same way as you do you can still be happy for them and love them and feel those spirit and feel the spirit if you express those things 
Also, one thing I would say don't do is please <laughs> don't send general conference talks about lost sheep or why people leave the church or uh, people aren't strong enough. Um, you know, people that leave the church aren't strong enough or good enough. Or um, those things are extremely hurtful. And I've heard people say, um, "Oh gosh, what's the phrase? It's um, truth hurts for those who are really guilty or something like that." Or the truth hurts. I think it's kind of I've heard all the time. And you know, know that truth hurts sometimes. Yeah, sure, but words can also hurt, and intent intent can hurt. Um, uh, we don't have to shame or hurt others just because we feel differently about it. And, you know, I feel like maybe a lot of ex-Mormons do this as well to believing Mormons. And I just feel like it just needs to be taken down a notch and everyone just show that love and understanding for where everyone is spiritually. And I feel like uh, maybe expressing that up front, if someone trusts you enough to um, share their story with you, um, is to be able to express, say, hey, so... You know, I know you're not a member anymore, but with Bob XYZ, um, what do you believe now? Or what are some things I can, you know, do to help or, you know, to support you in this? Or stuff like that goes a long way. Find a way to connect with this person other than uh, or outside of the LDS paradigm, um, I guess. Connect with them. Find go find ways to go on nature. Or maybe you just honestly talk to them if you're able to build that type of relationship with them. Um, talk to them openly and honestly. Try to learn about their belief system. You know, be like, hey, is it okay if I share, like, experiences or, like, spiritual experiences I have throughout the day or at church? And they'll say, you know, yes or no, and that's okay. Um, and tell them, be safe. I say, hey, if you ever want to express something spiritually great that happens to you or, you know, just thank you, thanking the universe or something, know that I'm a place to do that. Um, I have a sister who's still LDS and, um, She's kind of pushed me away from that. She said, I can't share my spirituality with you. And that has hurt um, quite a bit. Oh, sorry, Tyler. Um, Because okay. um, I still consider myself a spiritual person outside of Mormonism. Um, so to have someone who I used to share those experiences with, not not being included in that part of their life kind of hurt. And, um, you know, I have to share stuff. I find myself with her, too, but she's always <laughs> a little nervous. I'm going to be, like, all anti-Mormon on her or something, which I would, I would never push this. Um, like you are. You're so sweet. <laughs> um, you know, find a different way to connect with them spiritually. Not to just be have an honest talk with them. <sighs> just know that they are the same person that they were. They may think differently, but they're the same person. Um, I think it was Dieter Uchtdorf's talk in um, the October 2013 Enzyme. Um, He kind of talks um, about um, others who decide to leave the church, I guess. Um, and he says it in a very loving way. Um, I would suggest people go read that. That was a really great talk, at least portions of it that I remember hearing Um as my husband was going through um, his faith transition, that was a good conference talk to read. Um, it kind of helped me show that empathy towards these people um, that were going through this faith transition as well. Um, it's said very lovingly, um, not derogatory, I feel like. That um, was a very good one to read, too. Um, <laughs> uh, one thing I think of is um, Joseph Smith, when he was trying to find um, what religion, you know, was best for him, um, 
what was one of the things he did? He felt confused, maybe a little upset, that frustrated, um, that he wasn't finding what he was searching for. Um, so what did all those feelings, that cognitive dissidence he was feeling inside of him with all these churches and all these religions, what was he feeling? Um, all those, he was feeling all of that stuff. All, he was feeling attitude change, inconsistent thoughts, feelings, inconsistent beliefs. Um, what did that lead him to? That led him um, to one of the most pivotal, you know, be pivotal, <laughs> I guess, um, experience in Mormonism was it was strong enough to lead him down a path to seek that asylum with God, to find that truth for himself. Um, and I feel like that cognitive dissidence, that um, kind of contention, confusion for us sometimes leads us down a path um, that God needs us to go down on our own. Um, and whichever path that takes is up to you, is between you and God. Um, but, you know, it's a catalyst for change is what some of those feelings are um, that can lead you to a greater spiritual awakening on your own. Um, and I just wanted to leave that with you guys. Um, take it with a grain of salt. It's my own thoughts and actions and belief systems. Um, thank you so much for this opportunity, Darla. I am so grateful for all of these women who had the courage to call in and share their stories and their perspectives. I think when we share with each other, it binds us together. It helps us to know that we're not alone. My original intention in wanting to have this call-in show was to help people who feel like they don't fit the perfect mold of the church, which there is no mold. Like, let's throw that out the window. There isn't. Nobody has a perfect life. But I just want you to know that you're not alone. Like, we all have struggles. We all have, um, we just don't ever, nobody has the perfect situation, but we can all become closer to Heavenly Father and we can feel the Spirit and we can know the direction that He wants us to take. And I think that what, as these women have shared, love is usually the answer. Almost always having unconditional love, you can never go wrong with that because that is what the Savior did and that is what he would want us to do. The last caller mentioned a talk by Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf, and ironically, I talked about another talk by Elder Uchtdorf in last week's episode. Um, so I'm excited that I get to share about him again, but I will link up that talk in the show notes, but I wanted to just leave you with something that he shared in that talk. It's The talk was called Come Join With Us, and it was from October 2013 General Conference. And this is what Elder Uchtdorf said. In this church that honors personal agency so strongly, that was restored by a young man who asked questions and sought answers, we respect those who honestly search for truth. It may break our hearts when their journey takes them away from the church we love and the truth we have found, but we honor their right to worship Almighty God according to the dictates of their own conscience, just as we claim that privilege for ourselves. Thank you so much for joining me today. If there's anyone that you know that could use this message of the words of these women in this podcast, please share it with them. Thank you so much for tuning in every week and listening to this podcast. It is means so much to me, and I'm so grateful to be here with you and to have, have these discussions and to share these messages and to learn and grow together. 
I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.